Wanna blow some up? Huh? Come on. Push the button. Come on. Push the button. What are you doing? I'm just playing play along. Come on, push the button. Yeah, come on, push the button. Blow everybody up. Yeah, blow everybody up. Push the gun damn button. Push the gun. Welcome back. Uh, this is episode 108 of Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and always I'm joined with uh, Chris and Solbro. Guys, say hello to everyone out there. What up, gang? I'm, I'm trying to say hello while dying under this horrible weather. Oh, that's so, right. It's, it's so terrible. It's the apocalypse. Yeah, so this will be kind of uh, an abbreviated Gundam as we're only going to be doing one topic today. And we're going to be, you guys probably thought we forgot about it, but we didn't. Um, it's uh, We're continuing Pat Labor Roundup with uh, the third installment. Or actually, was this the third or the fourth third. installment? Third installment of Pat Labor Roundup, which is the Pat Labor TV show. And uh, while we're doing this review, we're going to be joined by a special guest, uh, Dolo R. Lance. And you guys know him from doing all the super little specials. Um, he's kind of the, spe- the Gundam special guy. So um, once he hit his quota of uh, specials, he was allowed to come on. So <laughs> that's kind of how we do things here. We're like, uh, call us the Foxconn of uh, podcasting. You, you, you got to hit the numbers before we start giving you anything. So... Um, um, but before we begin, we have some news. Chris Solpro, any news of your own before I get into the Neo's listener submitted news articles? MHQ has been flooded. All is lost. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> it's the end of the hey. world. It's it's Gundam Nation. Yes, Chris. I know that uh, South Florida is experiencing the uh, Hurricane Armageddon of uh, Isaac. Um, is there rain and wind in this hurricane? Yes, there's so much rain and wind. I can barely see the rain and wind. Do you think there will be casualties, Chris? So many casualties. <laughs> oh, my God, the humanity. Well, we hope that we can keep you on the line. So, um, but I'm barely hanging on because news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Let's not even go into there. All right. Uh, we'll be going to the Neo's Listener Submitted uh, articles, news articles here. And always you can put those in the Neo's Listener Submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. So definitely check those out. And ironically, the first one here is from Poster Dolo. And uh, he's got a new, uh, there's a new trailer for the uh, Cyborg 009. Well, actually, it's 009. Uh, re cyborg or you know required cyborg whatever uh it's got some new footage there it's a youtube link so definitely check that out on the thread and uh thank you dolo for your submission there um and the second one here is uh, from devil survivor i don't know who this person is um i've never seen this one before but um uh, he's got a link here from the gundam guy uh, blog spot and uh, this this is pretty cool uh, somebody did uh, put Gundams and made a diorama and had the Gundams 
uh, dressed up like uh, the Avengers from the Avengers movie. <laughs> and uh, somebody did this at last month's uh, Gumpla Expo. And uh, it's uh, he's got the link there, and definitely check it out. It's kind of funny. You've got um, Captain America Gundam, a Thor Gundam. Kind of hard to see what's what because I can't really zoom in on this. But um, definitely uh, check that out. That's some cool stuff. More things that uh, Gundams can do. And thank you, Mister Devil Survivor, for your submission. And uh, oh, as I'm looking at the at, at the the his link or his post here. Looks like Devil Survivor. You know how everybody has a location on Me- Mecha Talk? Mm-hmm. His location is Fats Goodman's base preparing for Fats counterattack. Oh, man. So, <laughs> I thought it was kind of hard, though, because didn't Fats Goodman, um, didn't he uh, die? <laughs> so you think. He's still keeping the faith, man. Oh, it, is he is he coming back as a, a ghost? <laughs> you know where Fats Goodman's base is at, right? Where's that? Golden Corral. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely. You can definitely tell Fats Goodman liked those yeast rolls. <laughs> that that would be the perfect place to hide in plain sight. <laughs> an over an overweight white guy. <laughs> You're telling me there's lots of overweight white gentlemen in uh, in uh, Golden Corral. <laughs> Get out of here. What you mean? Lots of overweight white guys hanging in Orlando, wearing bad tourist clothes. <laughs> oh, Fats Goodman, man. You are such an iconic character. <laughs> but thank you, Mr. Double Survivor, for your submission. Next one here comes from one of those damn Australian criminals, Bent Noir, probably one of the most dangerous ones out there. So um, if you go to Australia, you know, always keep your uh, wallet in your front pocket. So, uh, and this is coming from the Anime's News Network. Um, and uh, there is a... the English dub cast has been revealed for La, the Lagrange anime, The Flower of Rin Ni. And uh, I'm not going to go through all these people that are been uh, put in there, but uh, definitely check that out. Oh, Vic Mignogna's in there. Damn. Oh. Yeah. So oh, boy. Let the general know. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be riveted. <laughs> Guard your sandwiches. Guard your sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be one of the extras in the in, in the anime? They're going to show. Yeah, you know, the one thing that was weird it was it was a great time to do you know have to do this uh, dub with all these people here. But every time we had Subway, it seemed like my sandwich disappeared. <laughs> Hide your whoppers. <laughs> Hide your whoppers. So thank you. Hide your whoppers. Hide your subs. They come for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Vetoir, for your submission. And I never, I never thought that I'd be able to work that. <laughs> Damn, new listeners for Gundam. That's about as inside as it gets <laughs> when it comes to jokes. Freaking, yeah, freaking bedroom creeper. Oh, oh man. So, uh, oh man. Next one here is from the Gatekeeper, and I'm sure this will this will make uh, Soulbro tingle because this is from the Anime News Network, and it's uh, some Capcom news. Ooh, yeah, what? Yes, Capcom had announced that they're going to release Rockman Zover, the latest Rockman game, as an iOS app this fall. Sorry, sorry, Android. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Windows Phone. 
I'm already sorry. <laughs> so, Solroy, yeah. you're going to be lining up to get a Windows Phone 8 phone, aren't you? Oh, no. No, this is my last, my first and last venture into Windows Phone. My, by all, by all means. Not- my next phone is Android all day long. But there that's a story for another day. <laughs> but this is, uh, is going to be an iOS app. And uh, Rockman, we know, is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. So the game is set in Zover, a world that combines the different Rockman stories together. Dr. Wiley, Sigma, and all the other forces of Ingle throughout the franchise's history have closed the space-time risk between the story worlds. So, Yawn, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Yes. It, it does amaze me, though, that um, four franchises turned 25 this year. Um, Rockman would be one. Uh, Metal Gear, I believe, is one of them. Castlevania and Street Fighter, all 25. And it just seems like yesterday that those came out, man. It's 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 wild just to think that 25 years have gone by, a quarter of a century, and that these games are that old. But um, I can see Sobro going down the the river of nostalgia right yeah. now. Hey, man, it's it's, it's wild. Like, I'll, I'll I just honest, I have to reflect seem on like that. It just came out yesterday because it feels God. like <laughs> there's been some there's been some doo doo in in those uh, franchises. <laughs> No, so. it, it doesn't feel like it came out yesterday because I was seven years old and I'm not anymore. So, no, <laughs> it does not feel like yesterday. No. <laughs> but the, the game's going to run on the iPhone 3G, 4, the 3G, the 4, and the 4S, the iPod Touch, third generation or higher, and the iPad. So, um, there's some screenshots that have been posted on the Japanese website for gamers. So, uh, when's I've, the. Uh, When's the Windows Phone version coming out? Uh, the, no, no word on the Windows Windows Phone version yet. So I, I would say probably maybe three or four months after the iOS version's released. Maybe I don't know. I'm sure uh, they're hard at work on it. Yeah, make sh- Well, I mean, you got to keep those twenty or so people happy that have the Windows Phone. Wait, what I really what I want to know is when's the the uh, the Rim version coming out? Hmm. What what what, what, do you think come out, what do you think would come out quicker, the rim version or the or the Windows Phone version? Maybe the Palm version. Oh. Oh. I think Rim actually owns Palm. I think I believe it'll no. come out. It come out right at the same time as the Engage the Engage edition. But that fucking Engage. Thank you, Mister the Geek Keeper, for your submission. Uh, oh my God! Another one from this damn dirty criminal, Bent Noir. Oh man! And uh, this is actually kind of a cool one, but um, it's this is from uh, Crunchyroll, and it's Japanese fans rank the top post nineteen ninety Gundam series. So, what do you guys think is uh, um, number five? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well. Of course it is. I don't know. Uh, I'm a snooze man. <laughs> Why don't you just tell us? Destiny? Okay. No. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nine entries. And uh, going from um, number nine, nine would be, of course, the worst. Uh, <laughs> uh, Destiny is number nine. Um, after that, Seed at eight. Uh, Gundam Age at seven. Man, that would be kind of. You think there'd be? I actually think Gage would be higher than C or lower than Seed, but and that's me. Six is Victory, five is G, four is X, three is Tornado Gundam, and 
Number two is Wing with uh, the number one post-1990s Gundam show voted by the fans as being probably one of the shows with the worst second seasons ever. (laughs) So... Wow, so they actually voted double O number one. Yes. That, wow, I did not think it was. But they, they voted double O number one. This is how crazy this list is. Double uh, O is number one, which I don't have a problem with. No, neither do I. But then at number two is Gundam Wing. And it's G Gundam, which, I mean, and then of course. Turn A Gundam's number three, and that's even phen- that's phenomenal too. And Gundam X is number four. So for those two to rank above G Gundam and and Age and I'm sorry, sorry, G Gundam and Seed and Victory Gundam. I'm actually surprised though that Age people think that Age is better than Seed. I mean, for all the problems that Seed well, has. Let's not forget this isn't a, a scientific poll and this is what the fans who responded to it put, so they could have easily like, you know, bombed it. Say like, hey, let's all vote for, you know, whatever show to be number one. That's true. There's been a lot of talk about this stupid poll, and you know people tend to overlook this. Like this poll, this one unscientific poll does not at all represent what the oh, Japanese God. fandom thinks. Oh, it does. Well, I always go with the unscientific <laughs> polls. They're the pulse of the. Why you got to hate on this, Chris? Now, of course, MHQ polls are one thousand percent scientific, so those <laughs> you can trust. <laughs> they're, they're certified by Gallup, right? <laughs> No, they're by a much more uh, trustworthy source, PollDaddy.com. Oh. <laughs> PollDaddy. <laughs> so. Woo! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's that's what the Japanese fans voted. So, cool, whatever. Uh, thanks, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Um, the next one here comes from, um, oh, uh, Mecton GM. And you guys remember, and this is coming from Yahoo.com, so it's, I wouldn't say a respected news site, but it's a news site <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> um, remember those, um, uh, what were they, the speeder bikes in uh, Return of the Ewoks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess there is uh, a hover vehicle that's kind of kind of looks like it to an extent. And, wow. it's, and it's, yeah, it's called the Aerofax hover vehicle. And it's, it somewhat resembles uh, Star Wars, the speeder bikes. It doesn't have the big long thing in the front or a guy in plastic armor on top of it. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's basically got two big fans, one in the front and one in the back. And um, you hover around. So I guess it's kind of cool. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know why you would want something like this because all I think is is just all that dirt getting blown up in your face. But... I don't know. I guess if you're a farm boy in the desert, man, it'll come in handy. <laughs> Look at this guy. But I want to go to Tachi Station and pick up some power converters. <laughs> it's you can perfect. waste time with your friends when you're finished your work. It's perfect for that shit right there. <laughs> you never you never know when you might need to go into Tachi Station. Yeah. Uh, that is so wild, man. I- I'm looking at pictures of this right now. Holy shit, this looks cool. And uh, Mr. Mecton GN also has a link to a video showing the guy uh, riding it. So um, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he, his comment here is, California company resurrects old hovercraft design and resembles the Principality Zia's WAPA hover bike. Yeah, I guess it does on that, too. It, so. it kind of does. Holy shit, yeah. Wow, look at this thing. Man, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but, 
those were those were the those were the ones that they used when they put all those uh, put all the um, the bombs explosives with the yeah. forty five minute delays on there. <laughs> <laughs> like, those, those explosives must have been armed by Easel Kent. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is my true plan. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mechton GM, for your submission. Um, <clears throat> second one here is, uh, gosh, um, this is from Kay Katsuguri. And um, there is a, well, it looks like Tamino is back in uh, doing some stuff here. He's got a new project called Gen Rinko, and there's some updated information. And um, he's he, in, in it, he's talking about... Um, He's commenting on. He's actually bitching about how much work it is to create a uh, <laughs> television series. So, good <laughs> old to me now. <laughs> this ain't new to him. <laughs> yeah, but he says the whole scenario for the for the project's been written and is currently being reevaluated. So that never sounds good. And uh, he's he's wanting to add to draw some storyboards for the production, though he thinks that might be impossible. So it's just. Kind of giving some quick little comments about everything here. Um, definitely check that out. There's a picture of him now. He looks old and bald as ever. Oh, yeah. So um, hopefully we'll be getting that sometime soon. Thank you, Sub- submitter K. Katsuguri, for your submission. Uh, next one here is from Gundam Type Zero. And uh, for all you car enthusiasts out there, Toyota's got the car for you. It's the uh, Char Asinoball-inspired uh, hatchback. It's uh, it was revealed at the Char Hobby Clara Hobby 2012 event. It is the MS-186H-CA Urus hatchback in matte red. <laughs> and uh, there is on the exterior. It's got a special package and it's got a blade antenna inspired Ooh, by a special package huh oh yeah special package this is, it's got the uh, commander's an antenna on this car <laughs> there's a hero <laughs> kit it's got some hood ducks some front and rear light up xeon emblems so uh, <laughs> 18 inch aluminum wheels with xeon logos um brake caliper paint and it's got original bodywork wrapping and many things are written saying Octune. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's got a custom steering wheel, shift knob, shifting mechanism, and the instrument panel and door trim have a custom black scheme, and there's a push-button start that has the Xeon emblems on it. So if you like uh, Toyota's fuel economy and you, and you like to celebrate genocide, here you go. This is the car for you. So, um, uh, How- and, uh too bad the ours isn't sold in America. Oh. <laughs> Although it pretty much looks the same as the Matrix. Yeah. It, it kind of does. It probably is. Have you ever seen a, a car company either in America or Japan do anything like this for, say, Star Wars or some other uh, sci-fi franchise at all? No. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just i trying to recall if that's ever been done, and I don't think it has. That's pretty astonishing, especially for a car manufacturer to, to go this length to put out a, a custom car like this. Wow, that's oh, pretty cool. Yeah. Could you imagine a Voyager-inspired Prius? <laughs> I'm sure Chris would be all up on that. <laughs> I'm sure the... Uh... I'd be all up on ramming it. That's what I'd be <laughs> <laughs> You think the, you, you think the, uh, the general would... Um, he'd probably buy that, right? Because he's, he's a big fan of the Voyager. So. Oh, sure. 
But should, um, should the GPS will have Captain uh, Captain uh, uh, Janeway's voice on there? Uh, old uh, Captain uh, Captain Hepburn. <laughs> Stop shaking when you speak. Uh, <laughs> the door is ajar. The door is ajar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm. Thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. Oh man, God, Benoit must—he must have been just really bored in prison this week. Is he's got another um, he's got another article here, but this is this is a good one, and this is something we've all known for probably about a week or so. But this is great news. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, this is coming from the Anime News Network, and uh, Gundam Age is to end at episode forty nine on September twenty third. Thank God. So uh, no fifty episodes. <laughs> <laughs> really, one more. <laughs> Chris, uh, your thoughts about this? I know you're a big fan of the Gundam Age, and uh, I'm sure you probably wanted it to last uh, all the way up to, you know, actually just keep going, like uh, like a One Piece or something like that, right? Oh, yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to get to episode 534 of Gundam Age, He's where fully... it, it's, it's up to the, uh, the 15th 50th <laughs> generation, and the, the angry brain of Flit lives on in a jar saying that uh, the Bacons need to die. Actually, you know what? That'd probably make that show better. Oh, damn. <laughs> you had Flit's angry brain. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it's going to end so soon. But uh, thank you, Mr. Event Noir, for your submission. And the last one here is, uh, is from uh, Wielder. And this is kind of disturbing and weird at the same time. Um, it's been reported that the uh, assistant director for Gundam 00, Masaki Kitamura, was arrested for uh, a, a massacre threat that he had made. Um, he was allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Um, he's on. He's supposedly he said submitted on a city website. I will commit a massacre. According to the thieves, the suspect denied the charges, saying he's completely innocent. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd like to point out, though, that, you know, it was tracked to him based on a uh, wireless connection, which, you know, a wireless an IP address does not connect to a person. So it could have been, you know, he has a stupid, unsecure Wi-Fi network and someone, you know, logged in or it just could be an IP address that's near to where, you know, his is situated where he lives by. So. Yeah. You yeah, know, it, it could very well be that it's not him. The moral of the story. Uh, you want to hear the actual post, though? What's that? It's on the. Uh, it, was, it was put on the Osaka Inquiry page, and it said, "I will commit a massacre in Oda Road next Sunday. I will ram into pedestrian paradise, and after stabbing indiscriminately with a knife, I, I will commit suicide." So, oh God! Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's and, a, the, the moral of the story is protect your Wi-Fi, please. <laughs> And he was the assistant director for both uh, season one and the crappy season two of Double O. Uh, he was the director for the tenth installment of Gundam Evolve. Which one was that? I'm trying to remember what number ten was. I have no clue. <laughs> but, uh, he was uh, episode director on Ergo Proxy, Gun X Sword, Intrigue, and the Bak- Bakumatsu, uh, Planets, Wolf's Range, and other series. So this guy's done a lot of work. So hopefully. Um, this all gets squared away. So number ten was the uh, double ZZ. Zeta. Yep. Okay, that was, that was pretty good. So there you go. And uh, well, thank you, Mr. Wheel, there for that submission. And 
that's it for the news. And like I've always said, if you have any news articles, put them on the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk Forum. Why am I talking like Captain Janeway? No. <laughs> Chris, hold on. Any news of your own before we uh, move on to our first and only topic of the day? Now I'm ready to talk about some, uh, some pet labor. Let's do this. Chris, are you still holding on to dear life? Are you, are you like that kitten that's on that poster that always says, hang in there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we won't delay it any further. We'll be going to our first topic. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. I can't believe Game & Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Gun- oh. You got to be a stupid mother to get fired on your day off.
right, welcome back to Gundammit MAHQ, and we're going to jump into a topic that I'm sure you all thought we forgot about, but no. <laughs> we have not. It is the Patley War Roundup, and this time we are going to discuss the TV series, and we've got special guests with us, our um, special episode creator extraordinaire, Dalo R. Lance. Hello. Hello. It's very nice to be on the show. Glad to uh, have you here. I don't know, have we ever had you on on the main show? Um, the Aside closest from, like, I ever Collins? got was no. I've I've never been on a show outside of what I produce in the Colin. Yep. Well, it's yeah, long overdue, and and uh, I want to just take this opportunity to uh, thank you for all the work that you've put in for all of those uh, clip shows and bestos and all that other fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It helps keep my podcasting skills sharp. But let's not get let's not get into let's not get into that. We we're talking about Pat Labor, man. Let's get into that. <laughs> well, hey, I'm just trying to give you some props. If you don't want them, I, I can just take it over, Chris. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy either, I'm happy either way. But with but more time to Pat Labor because that that's a topic that's way overdue, as I know. Ladies, I've ladies been and gentlemen, Dollar Arlance's first and last time on Gundam <laughs> HQ. Yeah, take it, up, take it over. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so to jog everyone's memories, uh, when we started the Pat Labor Roundup a very long time ago, we previously had discussed the original OVA series that kicked everything off, as well as the first feature film. And we're now moving into the TV series, which is uh, an alternate universe from the first OVA and those movies. The setup is pretty much exactly the same, except for two differences. The first being that um, there's a different origin story for how everyone meets, mm-hmm. uh, which involves an Ingram jacking and uh, Noah jumping <laughs> in and saving the day. And the other main difference is that after Kanoka Clancy leaves the show, she's replaced by another uh, female officer, Takeo Kumagami. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's pretty much the same stuff. The, the, the ins and outs of the daily wackiness at SV2. So um, since we've all watched the TV show, I just want to uh, go over with each of you. First, we'll talk about some of our favorite individual episodes, and then we'll discuss um, the long-running Shaft arc that goes through the TV series. So, Dalo, why don't you hit us with uh, some of your favorite standalone episodes from Pat Labor, and why are they your favorites? Well, um, I generally like the later episodes of the of the show when when the wackiness kind of gets taken to like the next level. Um, the early ones are really good. Like um, if I had to name one, uh, it was the one where they're still trying to train the, the everybody to actually get into the carriers, and Noah Zumi couldn't uh, actually get in there at, at first. And then all of a sudden, as they're searching for fish, they end up dropping one of the labors into the into the bay, and they spend like the entire show getting it out just so their just so their boss wouldn't get uh, give them crap about it. And eventually, at the end of, by the end of the episode, they're doing it, and they're able to put put the carriers and the labors into the carriers fairly quickly and make it look like nothing happened. Of course, there's there's that little thing that they might he might know, but he doesn't bring it up after that. So, and of course. And after that, they have to go in to save the day. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones, just because it's like it's fairly early on in the series. And I remember thinking to myself, the characters are not really that are really serious, just the stories are. Then by the time you get to that point, you realize, no, the characters 
are just they're just wacky. That's all. The show's all wacky all around. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that stands out with me as one of the earlier episodes that I really like. And above everything else, I think that's one of my top three wacky episodes. I think the other wacky one that I really like that I don't think anybody could go without mentioning is probably the uh, <laughs> the clat <laughs> episode. The uh, <laughs> The alternate, oh uh, the the yeah. American alternate universe pat labor. <laughs> That's the the whole setup of that is uh God uh, one of the mechanics. I think if I remember right, was it Shige? Shige. Shige. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Shige who and who ended up getting a transfer to New York or getting that long way to transfer. He ends up getting bonked on his head, and that's when we know he's on a he's on his way to New York on a on a plane. No, he uh, he did a temray, but he survived. A temray. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess that is one way. (laughs) But the point is, he ended up going to New York. He meets up with uh, Clancy, who is uh, there meeting them up, wearing a what I can only describe an American an American uh, (laughs) Pat Labor suit. That I guess if movie studios got their hands on Pat Labor, this is the way how they would do it. (laughs) And of course, carrying a bazooka as all NYPD officers do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. as well as every every American uh, carrying a gun, such as a Tatsy, ready to, if you piss him off, he comes after you shooting at you. <laughs> and a bunch of Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking clones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, uh, what 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 movie would be complete without a, a secret base that's high, hitting in complete complete uh, obvious spaces like under a freaking. Uh, a park in the in New York and all this other chunk. That one's just really really wacky in the sense that you all see like the alternate universe uh, versions, I guess, of of the whole labor team. Like everybody's fair fair skin. Have some of them have curly hair. Of course, they make some of them like generic uh, Native American and Mexicans. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's just all around wacky and crazy and stuff like that and i really really like that one because i as i as i mentioned before if if Amer- if hollywood got their hands on to do a pat labor i i think that's probably why they would do it and it it just sticks with me because this is basically what the japanese uh see americans at that time and nothing's changed since then well it's it's kind of amusing to think that that's what someone would view america as being like if their only exposure to america was our tv shows and movies yeah, the mm-hmm. same way how we uh, view uh, our TV shows of the world, and uh, that's our view of the world. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's one I really like. I got a couple others, but I'm gonna pass the mic over to somebody else. I'll I'll pass it over to Paul. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you too. I think some of the the, the later ones, uh, especially the standalones, are kind of funny. I especially like the one where they. Um, uh, it was the fishermen, and they have the labor to sit there and try to act like it's like the Japanese version of uh, the Loch Ness monster. Messy. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 they and they get all fouled out, and then it like you know it's like okay, uh, special vehicles unit two. They found these guys out, but then they ended up killing like all of the tourism, <laughs> and everything at this at this beach in this little like uh, seaside community. So that was pretty funny, and yeah. Yes, of course, the uh, the clat one is pretty funny, too. And uh, one of the other earlier ones, and I know that these guys show up later, but the uh, the, the little fat guy that looks like a cat that takes over the airplane. Like oh, the, uh, the Neko, Neko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. whole, that whole um, 
the you know uh, plane jacking episode is just hilarious because you know it's, it's just this goofy guy, and for whatever reason, you know he he seems so un, uh, so unstable, and you just don't know what he's gonna do. And uh, but at the same time, he's just acting like a big goof, and he you know you can tell he's a little slow. On the I just uptake. love that the that the pilot is lecturing him on how to properly hijack. Yes, him. yes. <laughs> like, you're supposed to wait until we take off. Yeah, like, but I don't like flying. I just wanted to get it done now. And how like uh, how like irritated Kanika is because you know it happens to be the flight that she's going back to America on. So and the, and they took and they took away her gun in earlier in the episode, so it's oh. even more difficult to deal with. Yeah, but. <laughs> That's definitely um, a great one, and um, you know um, some of the other ones that uh, Zolo had said too are, are kind of my favorite too. And and I'd probably say the um, one that it's not one episode, but it's the the last two episodes where you know Noah's having the whole thing about um, you know we find out about what the the first Alphonse looked like, and then you know she's kind of equating when he died to the fact yeah. that um, you know the Ingrams are looking like they're going to be replaced um by the what is it the the double the double zero or something the, the or peacemaker the, the peacemaker, peacemaker. Mm-hmm. yeah and um you know she's she's grown an attachment to Alphonse the uh the pat labor and um you know she's trying to understand everything and that was a pretty good one i mean it, it's one of those kind of um you know it's it's a it's like emotionally deep one but it's uh, it's a pretty good one because it, it's it's something that we all have to go go through you know moving on uh when when things are um you know either they die like her pet did or um you know her vehicle is outliving its usefulness <laughs> so yeah what I, you, the thing is i like about that episode well those two episodes is the thing that oh i take away from that is, or at least one scene i do is that when Noah goes AWOL for a little while and Suma and Oda have to have that talk before, you know, Goto sees uh, the guys t- taking better care of their labors because at that point they realize they're really outdated and they got to start taking better, better care of them. So they end up getting a little bit more attached to their labors simply because that's all they have at that point. They're not getting mm-hmm. upgrades. They're not cutting edge as much as they used to be. Yeah. So... But, yeah, yeah, what I liked about that that episode, those two sets of episode, is that you know uh, Noah's dealing with that situation of you know having bonded with the Ingram like the way that people bond with pets yep. and realizing they won't be around forever. But in the end, she clears her head on her own without having anyone to have to talk to her about it, mm-hmm. and she comes back you know more confident than ever. It, it's almost it's almost like she was dealing with the fear of death, um, not not her own per se, but the the death of things that she was attached to. Um, I, I love those episodes myself. I'm watching the show and, and seeing how, you know, seeing how the series started where they were the top dogs with the new suits and then how this series ends where they are now a step behind uh, Division One, and the fact that she's also... Or so you it. think. Yeah. <laughs> or so you think, but also Even equating second it... second OVA series. Equating it to the death of uh, her, her dog and how she was attached to it and how she really still was dealing with that even as an adult you know it, it how it all just came to a head and how she how she powered through that and 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 came to the realization that even though you know 
the, the day that it will become inevitable that uh, that that the Ingram is it does become obsolete. You know, she's ready to face that now. Um, also, um, I love her conversation with uh, the chief mechanic Sakaki. Yeah, in an episode. They, they kind of uh, they kind of both have this commonality that you know they are not technical people at all. You know, because we see many times that when it comes to like actual tech geek stuff, like specs of labors, Noah doesn't understand any of that stuff. She just knows how to pilot it and be a badass. And then with Sakaki, he's an old mechanic, an old timer with cars and stuff. He doesn't know anything about computers or any of that stuff. So despite this generational divide, mm -hmm. they have this commonality to them. And I think that's a really interesting thing that we see throughout the show. Literally a nuts and bolts kind of guy. Yeah, and and for him to you know re realize he's reaching his limits and his age is catching up with him, you know, it, it's a sad moment, but he's also at peace with it. And he uh, well, you know, it's 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 one of those things too. I mean, the, the good thing about the show really is that, like you said, at the beginning of it, the labor, the Ingrams are cutting edge, yeah. and they consciously show at the end of the show that these things are starting to become obsolete. Mm -hmm. It's kind of something we really don't get in a lot of mecha shows, even Gundams. I mean, usually the Gundams aren't the ones that stick around. They don't. They either get blown up before their, <laughs> their obsolescence is up, mm -hmm. or they just continuously get upgraded where well, or you know, their obsolescence coincides with the mid-series upgrade that too yeah, yeah. well that, that's why i said they, they go to the mid-series upgrade it goes to you know it becomes a hand-me-down and usually the hand-me-down gundam gets blown up in episode 49 or 50 <laughs> and you know it's it's the, it's the same thing and and you know it, it it's one of the it's one of those few shows that i can really think of where you're seeing that these cutting edge suits are now not so cutting edge anymore that you know technology still moves on even though you know although these, speaking these of Gundam, you, you got to give some credit to to the age one for managing to hold in hold on for 50 years despite being outclassed very quickly <laughs> well because <laughs> well that's because it's got an awesome pilot it, as it well, goes but back the, but the other thing too is they continuously upgrade it i mean yeah, but it's you even know, with the upgrades it's still yeah. pretty uh out, well, of, its, out of its well, league but we, we see a we see a thing in like real life here where the Ingrams, like, you know, they're not going to upgrade them. It, it, you know, it's, it's cheaper for them to probably produce the new, the, uh, the Peacemaker suit than it is to upgrade the, the, you know, the Ingrams up to those specs. So and that speaks to, you know, technology, any sort of advanced yeah. high technology that, you know, as soon as you put out something new within a year later, now it's no longer the hot stuff. Just look how many people will get an iPhone and then the next year the new model comes out and they, they eject their old ones, even though they're still perfectly good, but they want the newest thing, which is now this other shiny thing. In, in defense of the Ingram becoming uh, outdated, though, if you look at it like cars, cars, you know, a new 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 versions of cars come out every year. But people will look back and say, well, this year was better than the a year that came afterwards because, you know, this they try to improve too many things or, you yeah, know, but those are those are going to. But those are mass-produced items. I mean, yeah. this is this is a specialty item that you know. There's only a couple Ingrams, but uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's more of a design thing and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. but this is where you know these are these are uh, this is equipment that's being used on an everyday basis for you know for police duties and just the upkeep and everything and. Yeah, you, know, you you wonder is the upkeep that high if you take out the um you know the damages that they always cause maybe maybe the operating costs would be a little bit cheaper if they didn't blow up everything as much. <laughs> so uh, 
Sobra, what are your, some of your favorite standalone episodes? Oh, man, I love some odd ones, man. Uh, <laughs> my One of the first ones that comes to mind is uh, Target Chief Goto, where uh, <laughs> the chief <laughs> is being uh, targeted for death or, or for vengeance by, uh, by a mysterious person that keeps lurking and following him badly and um, wanting to, uh, t- threatening to poison his food and putting cat shit in his, his shoes. I mean, Go- Goto is so observant that, you know, this is really not a-, a bother for him because he's always a step ahead of the game, although he never looks like it. Um, he's def- easily one of my favorite characters in the show. I know he's one of Chris's favorite characters as well. And yeah, it- it just just watching him work that whole episode, man, <laughs> and how he just dealt with it and, and-, and just knew everything that was going to happen. Uh, I-, I just love how the whole episode plays out. Um, Labor and Flower, the episode where uh, where Noah ends up... Well, uh, I- teaching a yakuza leader how to pilot uh <laughs> the uh his his vast collection of labors it's just a wild episode because you, you never expect the criminal element to ever have anything to do, want to have anything to do with the police yet he he shows up at a uh, an introductory meeting the 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 leader of the uh, yakuza he shows up at the introductory uh meeting on how to pilot labors hosted by the uh division two for special vehicles and then he he gets close to one of their lead pilots, and you just you you wouldn't think that that dynamic would work, but it ends up being a funny episode because of- well the the thing is that in Japan the uh, the relationship between the yakuza and the police is very different from that of organized crime and police in America, so oh. it's a whole different dynamic because you know. Um, since Yakuza operate in the open, you know, they have headquarters and, um, you know, they have business cards and you can walk right up and the police, they do things like they let the Yakuza know in advance when they're going to do a raid so that these small time guys can be offered up to the cops, oh. you know? So it's a very, very different relationship from America's organized crime. So it's actually not at all surprising that this would happen. But what's amusing is that you have these two <laughs> Yakuza bosses who are trying to uh, keep up with the Joneses and they're going Going around trying to stop crimes just to impress Noah. That's what I find is the craziest <laughs> about this. That is true. That's like the most hilarious thing in that episode. <laughs> they become they, they go from being vigilantes to weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Yeah. In the same episode, and that fight at the end is just straight ridiculous. When Kanika shows up with her kempo sword and gets to work on those guys, <laughs> which is kind of kind of like the weirdest thing I ever see. Because I every time I first when I first saw that, I was like, "What is? What is? Where did you get that? Why are you in that?" <laughs> It never, I'm just it continually made, amused. Me. I'm just continually amused by the fact that Kanoka is the most Japanese-looking character in the series, but she's yeah. half American. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half American. She's so Asian-looking in a cast that does not look Asian at all. <laughs> I guess that's the juxtaposition. But um, yeah, her her character really, really made uh, really, really made me uh enjoy the series right off the bat because um, her in contrast with the rest of the team, she being the outsider. You know, it's interesting to see how she grows attached to the team throughout the the first half of the series. I almost split the well, series in half between her half and then Takeo's t- half. Uh, you know, I can almost split the series down the middle be- between the two. Although there's arcs in between all of that, but it's 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 neat to see how uh, the team works with the two with the two different characters, one leaving and one coming in. But um, what were you gonna say, Dalo? Oh, nothing. Uh, oh. Nothing. I was, I was already finished, man. Hey, the only, okay. the only thing I would, I would say is that it is kind of a, the just a bridge on Kanika is the fact that when, when she does leave, it is kind of a, kind of a sad thing to, when she, do, when she does leave and we get a new character because I, I sometimes wish that 
the show could have had like two main female leads. And that's the point I got to bring up about this show mm-hmm. that I've brought up a couple times is this is like one of the few mecha shows where the female cast and the male cast actually have equal time and actually get treated very, very equally between the two. Like Noah, Zumi, and in the later, uh, of course, Kanaka as well, who pilots labors and actually gives orders. And of course, you have uh, yeah, Shinobu as well. Like in well, when we get to it, like the second in the second movie, you have a female characters piloting mats on equal standing, with, if not better than male characters in the in the show. So I just wanted to bring that up uh, as a side note for everybody. It, it, it is a surprising amount of equality and from a country that is not known for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, I've got some things to say about that towards the end, about Noah, Noah especially, but uh, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, just, well, just, so, say it, just say it now, then. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna have Jesus. we're gonna have closing we have closing thoughts. So I, uh, you know, I just want to say my love for that character towards the end. But they go down some of the other episodes I really did enjoy. Um, you win is probably one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. The one where they go out drinking, <laughs> <laughs> and you just you know you get the dialogue between the characters, and it's it's the ensemble feel of this show that really gets me. I, I love anime series like this and and, and TV shows too. We have a great ensemble cast, and every character brings brings it to the table. If even if it's not in a big way, their 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 characters accentuate the series, and and this is one of the greatest examples of that. Um, uh, Goto is trying to like to 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 have a peace offering of treating his whole team to to uh, a night of drinking and and having dinner, and uh, he separates them into two different uh two different stalls, and just the the back and forth between the characters are really good, especially between Kanaka and um, Noah who really didn't get along all that well. I mean, they worked with each other, but they really didn't have a, ta- a chance to really get attached until that episode. So it was good to see the growth between those uh, characters and that, and just how Goto handled all of that and didn't get the drinking out. <laughs> 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 but um, there's that. And um, the mass production plan, Just yeah, that was another episode I liked um, where they were doing the, the field testing for the new suit that uh, Shinohara was going to put out. Um, and just how, how Goto, not Goto, but um, Ota... Uh, what was his name? Gamioka. Gomioka. Gomioka and um, Noah. How how they all had different approaches when doing the field testing for the new uh, the new suit that Shinohara was going to put out, and it gave you a little insight on that too, and and how that uh, I think that I, maybe I'm wrong. I forget if that leads into the um, the convention uh, thing. No, I think that's afterwards. Uh, um, although uh, that's in the Shaft arc where they go to the um, the labor convention. But I guess the last episode I'll talk about is. Um, Shadow in the Geofront, um, the episode where Kanaka and uh, Noah go underground to, uh, and they have to team up together to, to disarm a bomb and then later on take on a, a mythic dragon. Oh, yeah. oh you, mean, you mean Jules Verne's uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth? Pretty much. And, and that's the wild thing about Pat Labor is that you've got this semi-realistic depiction of the future. And yet you throw in oddball things like monsters and, 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 and giant creatures and scientific yeah. things. I mean, it was straight up a kaiju battle, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Kaiju versus Mecha, man. That was a great episode. And the argument at the end about whether it was a mutated creature or a dragon of lore. You know, it, <laughs> it's just this show, you don't know what to expect. And, and that's one of the random factors of the show I really did dig. But those are some of the episodes I wanted to note. Besides the uh, episodes that you guys brought up, uh, those are some of my favorites too. All right. Well, I've, I've got a few uh, that haven't been mentioned. One of them is um, the episode about Ota's arranged marriage. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good one. 
and just his his amusing and awkward fumbling of trying to deal with uh, the fairer sex because clearly we know that subtlety is not one of his charms. Not at all. Oh. Uh, not by far. He gets a he gets a he gets a D grade in that. <laughs> um, another one that's not not a funny episode, but it's actually just a really really good episode is uh, right after Kanoka leaves and Shinji is feeling the stress of the job of taking over for her, and he gets yeah. a job offer to go back to the private sector and make a lot mm. of money. Mm-hmm. And he keeps going back and forth, like, does he want to do that or stay where he is? So that was a really good way to shine on a character that in most other shows would not get any sort of development like that. Yeah, that was a really good episode. I mean, the fact that he turned that down in the end was was pretty astonishing because he could have he could have gone on to notoriety instead of uh, dealing with the job that he was struggling with. But I guess his passion for 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 being a civil servant won out went out in the end and and of uh, course the fact that his crazy wife had already gossiped to all of the neighbors <laughs> that they were moving to a different place now and that he was even making so much more money only to have him turn around and say no he's no i'm not gonna do that <laughs> his wife's an absolute trip <laughs> ever since the, yeah. her first appearance <laughs> uh another one i liked was the episode about the food poisoning at the shanghai restaurant oh yeah oh yeah oh that's awesome <laughs> And the whole mystery of how people just keep disappearing and then leading to the climax where at the end you just see like everyone passed out in front of this restaurant like they're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Which goes to show don't piss off people who make you food. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's a fight club. It's the fight club thing. Don't piss off the people who, that do that clean your toilets and take out your trash, man. That's more like Tyler wait- It's more like waiting. Um, what was his name, Neil? Uh, don't 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 f with the people who make your food. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, Monty. That's, Monty. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, yeah. You never. Because no no they, matter how bad the food is, you you really want to be careful. Like saying, you know, sending it back and stuff because it might just end up with someone's ass on it. So, yeah, just get up they, or worse, they, they may pee on it or spit on it or feed it to dogs. You never you never know what it could be. So valuable life lesson. <laughs> Indeed. Um, obviously, the clat one was hilarious. That yeah. one is uh, is great fun. Another one I enjoyed was um, when they're throwing the surprise party for Kanaka for her farewell yes. but everything just goes to hell and they completely destroy her apartment after reading the uh the report that she's writing about them yeah. and, and might i yeah. add that's one of the best ways you can do a recap episode as well that yeah was- i was gonna <laughs> chime in on that. that that is probably one of the better ones if only because it goes it just builds it actually better bridges you in but at the same time you it just gives you so much information about uh about all the characters and how kanaka sees them at that point to the point that even her when it when it gets to Harumi, she just says, "Not enough data." <laughs> um, and of course, I also enjoyed the the last two episodes. So, oh, another one that I enjoyed, uh, also a bit more on the serious side, was when Fua tries to scout Noah to join the SDF. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, and kind of puts her in the same situation of Shinji. Like, should she consider this job that is more high profile, probably pays better? You know, or does she want to stay where she is? And, you know, in the end, we see, no, she loves doing what she's doing. And that's where she belongs. I, I like to give it up for Crew Cut Lady on. She was cool. <laughs> <laughs> the few episodes she showed up in, but she she built a queer bond with um with Noah as well. And um, I was finally it was cool to see it come to a head with that job offer. And, um, I, you know, just just to see for her to have it. uh revealed to her how much Noah enjoys her job and how she backed off at the end. You know, I, it, you knew exactly that was going to how was going to be how it played out, but 
just the way the the episode the the direction that it went in was was really nice. I I enjoyed that episode too. Well, that that once again that brings up uh, Dolo's point about uh, female characters in this. The fact that the head of a high profile SDF, um, you know, uh, unit is a woman, and she under you know, and the fact that she's able to understand all the same things that Noah's going through. Um, you know, that once again, you know, we don't see that in a lot of Japanese shows and, uh, you know, because not nowadays, especially, yeah, not nowadays, especially, but I mean, even then, you know, that's, it's something that, um, you know, wasn't seen as much because you, you, the fact that, you know, she's like, what, like a third, a third level character. And, but yet, you know, uh, they, they have her in and, and, you know, once again, it's one of those situations where she even gets a lot of screen time in that episode. So um, you know, once it, it's just one of those things that really kind of shows how this show is a little bit different uh, than you know a lot of its peers uh, in the past and in, even now in, in the future. So, mm-hmm. all right, so let's move on now to the main event, which is the Shaft Arc, Ho-ho. and this is a continuing story that runs throughout the series, and you could say starts as far back as when. Um, a auto manufacturer offers a prototype labor up to division one for testing. And it turns out to all be a lie because it's really made by shaft. And their whole goal is to gather technical data about SV two, which um, ends of course with uh, Shinobu rejecting the upgrade because uh, she didn't want to deal with any of this sneaky stuff. Then we have uh, in Christmas, 1998, the um, attack on uh, Tokyo Teleport by a mysterious labor known as the Phantom that uses lasers and all sorts of other fun stuff. And this is uh, the first of many cases where Shaft is putting out these secret labors and using SV2 as their guinea pigs to get combat data. Yeah. Yeah. And just their flagrant disregard for the law. Because, <laughs> you know, when do you ever hear of, you know, um, military industrial complex companies throwing things at police SWAT teams just to test their own gear? Yeah, so well, we don't, well, we don't hear about it, but it's probably for a reason. <laughs> Maybe, but um, it's interesting because it's the first major challenge that the team has to go with. And, you know, one of the things that they've always had going for them is that they have this powerful, specialized police labor. And up to that point, they've always been fighting construction labors. Yeah. But now you've got this crazy thing that is way powerful it has laser weapons and it's just nuts and even the military couldn't deal with it as we saw when fuwa's team got in trouble mm-hmm. yeah so it was good to see the teamwork and uh i enjoyed seeing like all of the friction between kanoka and um noah having to work together because yeah. their personalities definitely clash a lot absolutely but they had to put that aside for the sake of taking down the phantom Definitely. Which can and, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm good. I said definitely. Uh, <laughs> no, I, mean, uh, I wasn't doing the soul boat button. I was gonna let soul bro do the soul boat button. So because 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 I'm the guy that does that. Um no um no no it it just goes to show how well they work together. Even though they're hesitant to work each with each other at first, you know they they accomplish great things. Um when they do work together, Kanika and um, Noah and um this story arc shows that quite a bit, especially uh that fight where she <laughs> Kanika has to get into. Uh, Oda's wrecked um, unit two 
and makes the most of it and freaking saves no oh Noah's bacon towards the end when uh Noah's cold tackles that that mech into the uh <laughs> into the bay. Uh, yeah, it was it was they just have a great dynamic between the two of them. I will say this, when it comes to damaging himself and taking himself out of the game, no one excels at that the way <laughs> that Oda does. Mecha Tackleberry. Uh, you you have to you have to respect uh, Oda because he's he's full throttle, man. I mean, if there this is a guy that you know he he should probably be part of the NYPD because he's always shoot first. Damn the uh, damn the civilians around, but um, more so the LAPD. <laughs> well, I guess you don't read the news lately. Oh um, snap! Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, you know. Yeah. He, He's he's very very high strung and and you know a lot of it is just because that's the type of guy he is too. But then you also see with Oda, there's this there's this competition between him and Noah yeah. and the fact that you know she's able to do things with the uh, with the Call Ingram. That competition it looks like a one sided rivalry to me. <laughs> well, it's competition in the fact of uh, I mean he he feels that it's competition. I mean it it you know and and he you know, you, you have to say okay yeah Oda. Um, He's nuts and he's he's always wrecking shit. But towards the end of the, um, you know, the end of the show, even he's getting more skilled. And and you yeah, can and see he is that always, he's always been a better marksman than her. Yeah. Just, yeah. When it comes to still targets. Yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> you know, and she's, they, a, pretty, she's a pretty bad shooter, and she always, um, never she never takes the opportunity to shoot unless no, it's absolutely that. necessary. Oda did Oda did come through though when he shot that bomb in the air. Yeah, and, and 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 I mean, but you know, when it comes to when it comes to a guy that um, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, close end combat, uh, uh, you know, mech to mech combat, he's awful. So you know, they kind they kind of complement each other. And of course, he's also a little more hot headed. He can't, you know, when when the uh, when the baddies start, yeah, when the baddies actually mouth off to him, he get, he just goes into super you know, super full on mode. So it's like, screw you. Like when, um, they were trying to save those guys in the rotating restaurant <laughs> and it goes like, just don't say anything to uh, Don't say anything to Oda. <laughs> we don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> or in the episode with the ordering food. <laughs> yeah, that too. Dude's awesome. Um, I will say this though. Um, Takeo was, a, I guess a little sweet on him towards the end. And, um, I don't know where that might go, but I'm hoping that it goes somewhere for him. I, I know in the final episode, they talk about uh, them going to dinner with uh, uh, I forget it. Shin. Sh- you're, you're you're jumping the gun oh, again. I so am, well, my, we're my still bad. talking about the Phantom, and you're talking about well, the end of the show. Well, you go you go ahead. Good, go ahead. Good so. job. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> the uh, the Phantom comes back in uh, the early 20s mm-hmm. when uh, there's an attack on a uh, SDF training ground, and Division Two is lured into this trap. Although Goto knows it's a trap. Mm-hmm. And plans for it by having Unit Three with its ugly head come in and save the day, piloted by Asuma. Yeah. <laughs> so the the Phantom gets taken down decisively this time, and uh, Kurosaki, the Shaft project head, gets away, which leads us to the Griffin arc, which is probably what the series is best known for. Mm-hmm. And um, you've got Kurosaki now working under the fiendishly friendly Utsumi. The fiendish Doctor Wu, <laughs> and has developed this uh, monstrous labor called the Griffin that uh, is ridiculously powerful, can fly, and basically looks like it'd be more at home in a Gundam show than it would Pat Labor, <laughs> or any other by a young boy. 
Yeah. <laughs> and given that he's from India, you might even say he's a young Asian boy. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> That's why Sombro likes that man. arc so much. Oh boy. Young Asian <laughs> You're terrible, boys. Chris. <laughs> So the Griffin, I mean, this thing is just disgustingly powerful to the point mm. that even Shaft realizes that uh, this thing's kind of a liability. Well, mm-hmm. it's more like Utsumi's a liability. <laughs> so they call in their mercenary army to take it down, and instead they get taken down. Yep. Oda gets wrecked miserably, as you'd expect. Ooh, and it, it's up to Izumi to uh, use all of her skills to take down this thing that is way, way more advanced than the Ingram. Yeah. So, what did you guys think of the Griffin arc? Dolo, you're up. Sure. Uh, Be ready, son. You're in the big oh, yeah. time now. Be ready. No hesitation. This is this is podcasting. This yeah, is this is podcasting. You don't know what this is. <laughs> well, Major in League, any son. case, well, in any case, I'll come up with a baseball bat and start bashing heads in. No, <laughs> in any case, seriously, uh, with the Griffin arc, I think it's probably like. Again, it's uh, like like Chris mentioned. It's probably one of the most memorable things. Uh, I think uh, the the thing that I always take away from that is that by the end of that, by the end of the uh, the Griffin arc, where Noah has to, to start actually uh, be uh, taking the thing very seriously to the point that even Goto gives her the riot gun, essentially the, the Pat Labor shotgun that is very powerful to the point that even Odo. <coughs> Ota wants to take uh, take it out and even begs her to, just to let him have it, but that ain't happening. <laughs> but but the reason she can't use it simply because, uh, of course, like news newspaper newspaper people as well as journalists and all sorts of uh, news reporters want to get in the way, so she can't use it. And it basically gets to a point where she yeah, uses all her skills. And to the point that by the end of it, her her labor is completely wrecked. And as we all know, she uh, adores her labor, but she has to kind of forget that and just fight. Well, she has, she this, she has really this streak stuck. where if you piss her off, all, <laughs> all of that caution goes out the window and yeah. she will just wreck you. And it becomes like because this happens multiple times, like it like she starts fighting people and it just descends into like a really sad <laughs> fist fight. <laughs> people just beating each other down senseless slug fest and she's really yeah, scary exactly. she's like that almost like when when shinshi gets that glint in his eyeglasses yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like when he was uh, when they were doing the pat labor travels earlier in the show yeah but, when, when, when you see noah get to the point that she doesn't care about any scratches on alphonse then that's when she's at her scariest <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well, but, but i think but, that's it also shows what it shows what that that arc you know what the desperation that they're in that you know that this girl that would you know used to get pissed that if some dirt got on uh, Alphonse is uh, out of shell that she realizes the bigger picture of all this stuff too that this thing's <laughs> got to go down and uh, yeah I love Alphonse and I don't want I don't you know I don't want him to get scratched or broken but if uh, if I'm not taking care of this then hey this is not going to be a good thing here so. <laughs> Yeah, now, one of the things I liked about um, the Griffin arc also was the uh, the connection between Kumagami and Utsumi, which ends up getting her shot. Yeah. Yes. And that gets explored more in the second OVA. But I have a question for all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we all know, everyone gets away at the end of the Griffin arc, and that gets resolved in the second OVA series. Right. But if there had never been a second OVA series and the end of the Griffin arc in the TV show was the end of that story – would you guys have been satisfied with where it ended then? I wouldn't. I been. would. I, I would have. 
Yeah, I would have been. I would have been too, because uh, it just makes sense. I mean, the super secret organization. Um, you know, they got all. They're able to do all this stuff, so they're going to be able to just kind of get away and disappear. They're going to have all contingencies planned. So even though you know you, you might want to say see them go up, uh, up against them again, but I would have been fine with that. Well, I, I know that Oda raises a good point to uh, go to somewhere in the series where a lot of people get away. And that was a, a set of people who had, you know, had pretty much the, the shaft, the shaft uh, corporation had terrorized unit two and, 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 and aspects of the Japanese military and whatnot for quite some time in this show. You kind of want to see it come to its comeuppance. And, and that's, I was, I was waiting for that. Knowing about the second OVA series, I wasn't all that bothered because I know they're eventually going to get to that. But if I was watching this show and this is all there was, I'd be a little, I'd be a little annoyed that they, it didn't. There wasn't there wasn't at least a climax to that. There was a fight and then they got away and you know after that they're they're they don't show up again, and that that kind of bothers me. So I I I guess I'm in the minority here, yeah. as you usually I, are. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> I would have been I would have been perfectly okay with it because for there was a time when I was watching the TV show I didn't know about the second OVA. Uh, I had to do research into that and it did kind of like kind of confuse me for a little while. But by the time I got to the end of the show, I said to myself, okay, that that, that it would work in the sense that you know the two halves. Uh, really, really met each other. Go, Godo knows that they're out there still, but I think I would have been okay with it simply because that's crime. Uh, you can never really yeah. stamp it out. You can always, but you can do what you can every day. That's what, that's what police officers do. They, they have to go. They do what the best they can every day, mm-hmm. and they know that they have to keep going at it until they either retire or they bite the bullet, for a lack of a better phrase. But <laughs> I would have been perfectly fine with it. And like I said, I mean, this was a highly organized group of people too this wasn't just your regular you know guy gets pissed because he lost his job and steals construction labor and goes on a rampage i mean mm-hmm. these people had everything planned out so it would make sense that the police didn't get their man in this instance um so now before we close are there any things about the tv show you guys didn't like i would say sometimes the sometimes the uh the, uh, the music could uh, get a little Weird. Kind of a little weird for, for yeah. me. I mean, there it's it's good and all, and it kind of fits it fits the show. But sometimes it would get a little weird. Sometimes, kind of like the in the this is going back on the Pat Labor movie, but you know, the little jingle and the uh, 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 you guys know what I'm talking about. The little jingle in the in the pizza parlor. A lot of that is in this show, and it kind of just gets a little weird. That that's my only real main complaint. Um, some of the some of the animation in the later episodes. You could tell it was like, you know, they were full on. So sometimes it was not as detailed or, you know, but mainly with the characters, not as so much with, with the uh, the labors or anything. But sometimes the characters look like they were just uh, right up to the deadline, drawn right up to the deadline <laughs> at times. Yeah. Especially in the, especially in the uh, last, like, maybe 10 or 15 episodes, um, there's a few times where Noah's got, like, Popeye forearms. So it's like, whoa, what's going on here? So oh, wow, <laughs> I know I, my I only have uh, aside from the loose thread, um, the the loose ends with the with the shaft storyline. Um, the only thing I have a minor complaint about is uh, they had an opportunity to show, uh, I guess, the beef between uh, uh, Asuma Asuma and his dad. Uh, Asuma, we didn't really talk much about him, but uh, yeah, him being uh, the son of. Uh, uh, the man who runs Shinohara um, Electronics, or, or the, the the people who make the Ingram, you know, they they had a chance to explore that, and his dad just ended up 
his dad, who he has major beef with and who tricked him or, or forced him to join the, um, the police force, um, they had a chance to show him and he just ends up being a ghost, uh, continuing a, to be a ghost in the entire uh, series. Yeah, but that's OVA. covered in the second OVA. Is it really? Thank God. Yes, it is. Okay, so well, yeah. then then to be continued on that. But uh, yeah, at this point, he's a ghost, much like you know Maris and Frazier or something like that. The guy you hear about, but you never get to see. So if it's covered in the next series, man, I'm, looking re- I'm really looking forward to that. If you read my reviews, one thing I was not a fan of, uh, based on their execution, is the episodes that involve them investigating some mysterious thing that mm-hmm. people think is a monster or a ghost yeah. or whatever, because they always tend to not, they always end up being uh, the opposite of what you think they are, except for this one episode where it literally was ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Which was just kind of dumb. Although. Even though that episode was pretty dumb, it was uh, kind of amusing to learn that Kumagami, who basically is the same as Kanaka, she's like she's hot, she's smart, she's super talented, mm-hmm. uh, has this. She's not, a, she's not as high strung at least, but still not as high strung. But she is pretty like by the book and straight laced. But despite being like this super cop, um, has this hilarious fear of frightening things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Her, her and Hiromi. <laughs> and and but but he at least doesn't pass out frequently the way she does, a, which kind of is an amusing thing because going in turns to pass out. I wanted to mention the episode that we didn't talk that nobody mentioned was the crocodile episode. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is basically it starts out like someone stealing stealing food. They think somebody accuses it of being a cat. Then they find they decide to go into underground, and basically it becomes a go, the Ghostbusters slash Scooby Doo Scooby Doo episode. Yes, ending in where a they, Benny Hill chase. Yes, exactly, and it gets to a point where, they, and also an honorable mention to Alien to both Aliens movies. <laughs> but I, I really liked that episode because it got to a point where they were just so uh, so scared of everything, and Kogami, of course passes out to the point that when they were looking for something in a, in a, in a room and it's full of cats, they end up running. They end up having to run out of it because the cats are attacking them. Oh man. So, so much so that before before he closes the door, Asuma makes sure to not to unload at least two shotgun guns in the room. Hell yes. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, he's fire. He's using a shotgun to take out cats. Before closing the door, you don't want rabies, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's considering it's, they already had all of those rats run over them before. Ooh. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And of course, it ends with the, the ends with uh, them finding the guy who's actually stealing it, but uh, stealing their food. But at the same time, they get chased by a giant crocodile. And once they see the crocodile, they're running faster than the guy they're chasing. One, one of one of the things that they repeat from that episode on. Um, is anytime you see Noah running and she's like almost at the point of exhaustion, she passes out for a second. That that yeah. shit is hilarious to me. <laughs> so much so that even her alternate universe in the Clack episode actually does that too in her labor. <laughs> Awesomeness. So uh, since we've been going on about this for a while, uh, closing thoughts on the TV series. Um, watch it. I think everybody should at least watch it at least once because it's certainly a unique one in the. In the mecha series, uh, just the mecha genre as a whole, uh, it's one of those better ones that I think everybody should watch at least once, especially if you're a mecha fan. I'll go one step farther and say this is a series that you shouldn't just watch. This is a series that you have to own. Yeah, this is one of the all-time classics, and um, if if you want to see it 
and you want to own it, uh, the sooner the better because it's been out of print for at least five years ever since uh, CPM went under. Mm-hmm. And you could probably still find it uh, on relatively eBay. cheaply on uh, eBay or Amazon, or maybe even Right Stuff when they have some some buyer sales. Yeah. But uh, there are very there are three collections for or is it four collections for the TV show? It's three collections, I think. Yeah, I think it's three. And, yeah, it's and three. Uh, you can find them online, and uh, if you see them cheap, get them because there's never going to be any more until <laughs> maybe someone like Discotech rescues them, which I hope that they would. Well, because they're, they're, uh, they're various parts of Pat Labor have been released in Blu-ray now, and they look really nice. Mm. Yeah. Especially the movies. Yeah, and we never got yeah. any of that stuff. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, If Discotech can release horrible police stuff like Mad Bull 34, why can't they do Pat Labor? Oh, boy. Uh, because you wish it <laughs> pretty much well i i know this much um this this show this show was a, a complete treat to watch um going back to what i was saying about noah um and, and all the other females in the show it, it depicts them in a way where their you know their their draw is not their you know their sexuality is them as people and i i really got to take my hat off to the show because it's very rare where we actually review a mecha show with female leads where you know there's not some kind of gimmick behind them and and going with no some fatal flaw some fatal in their flaw. personality although they all have flaws they're not perfect they you know they, they going going just off of noah herself she you know is 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 not the you know the character you would you would normally see in a mecha show she's she's tomboyish she's looks kind of like a feminine armoro <laughs> to be honest with you and that first episode doesn't help because it's reminds me a little bit of Gundam Rising, the first episode of this TV show, but just to see her development throughout the series and, and see her overcome her flaws and her problems and her interactions with, with the, the people in her group and going from being a rookie into being a seasoned um, uh, Pat Labor pilot is, a, is, is an interesting journey and it's, it's something you so rarely get to see in mecha anime that that alone is, is worth the price of admission. Everything else is cake to me and um, yeah, yeah. If I had to give this show a rating, well, I guess we'll give our ratings at, at the very end. But um, yeah, that 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 to me is, is well. This is the end. Well, all right. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. I said, <laughs> and, 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 we do, and we do reviews, so you yeah. do have to give it a rating. Well, if I was if I was to give it a rating, I would give it a uh, four four point five out of five. I have to give it a rating. I would give four point five out of five. Humpy the whales. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, um, well, yeah, I'd, I, you know, I'd probably have to agree with Chris too. This is probably something you need to own. Um, this, this is one of these shows where it is, yes, it's a, it's a mecha show, and and you know, it's, there are at times some of the same type of mecha tropes when it comes to some of the combat and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, the the, the story itself is is really good. Uh, you you have a lot a large amount of characters that have all these quirks and stuff, but they're all pretty likable. Um, you know, and, and then it, it also shows us like a real life working environment at times too because we see how you know like you guys had mentioned Noah and uh, and Kaneko they don't get along well with each other but there comes a point to do their job they have to get along with each other and then they finally have a bigger respect for each other and it's you know and, and when finally when Kaneko leaves it's uh you know it's it's equally uh sad for those two because you know they they 
they were able to get through all their stuff. And, um, you know, but it, it, it is, it, it's one of these shows where, um, it, yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of humor and a lot of goofiness and we've talked about, it. I mean, some of these episodes, you know, the crocodiles and the, you know, the kind of these ghostbuster pseudo episodes where they got to go deal with these spirits and stuff, but yet it doesn't, it doesn't feel dumb or it doesn't feel uh, just kind of put on like uh, a lot of shows t- of today do. And I'm, I'm not just gonna, saying this because I'm saying, oh, you know, all the shows now aren't as good as they um, they used to be. But well, a lot of them aren't. I mean, um, I, I, you know, we're, we're getting into a, a situation where with a lot of these mech shows, as we see when they're our reviews of age that they're just kind of getting generic and if you want something that's just a little bit different and is very enjoyable and I, I think this is one of these shows too that's enjoyable for people that aren't real big mech fans either so I think this is one of these situations where it's got great crossover so well in that I, case I'll, I'll throw a question out to you guys just to liven things up would you like to given the time frame that this show takes place in would you like to see a sequel or reboot Definitely, I yeah. would love to see that see that happen. I've been that's been one of my wishes, uh, especially since we're seeing a lot of old shows make a comeback. Like I think the biggest one that's kind of close to it, of course, with a lot of the stuff that Kenji Kamiya is putting out. Like I think the biggest one that's currently making a big back, uh, comeback, of course, is Cyborg Zero Zero Nine, and I kind of and of course Ghost in the Shell, uh, as we all have seen. I would really like to see just. Like even if it was just an OVA or a movie, I would love to see a reboot of Pat Labor just to tackle everything that we've have to go through nowadays, especially like with terrorism, major terrorism, and just to see how that how that would be treated. But yes, I would love a, a reboot of Pat Labor. I think uh, you could you could go down both routes. Like for example, if you went the continuation route, you could have it be set in say. 2012 and maybe by this point uh goto is the section chief and people like uh asuma and kumagami are division captains and mm. you know you got stuff like um like how in movie two that oda became uh, a labor instructor and you can show where everyone has gone in their lives now that they're more seasoned and experienced or you could go just the straight up reboot route of you know the same situation from the tv series but redone for modern times with a modern aesthetic well you have to remember i mean the 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 story itself is being police officers lends its uh, the ability of always having a story going on i mean yes usually mecca is uh you know the, the one of the big storylines in most mecha shows is some type of war between two powers well you don't have war all the time but the police do have to do things every day you know that and and you know from from the mundane to sometimes the very serious and 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 stuff like that and and i think it would work out well i, th- I think you're you're probably right uh, a reboot or a um or a continuation would be uh i think could be done pretty well and you know I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been done or even been talked about. So, well, you never know. I would, I would sure. love, to, I would love to see Headgear get back together and team up with the Standalone Complex Committee and do a follow-up or a, uh, a a sequel to the TV show just to see where these characters can go to next would be the would really be an amazing thing to see. I, I'd, I'd love to see something on the level of Standalone Complex done with Pat Labor. It would it would be awesome. Well, oh, it, and my my uh, my rating would be uh, four and a half plessies out of five. <laughs> that was one of the 
It, it was one of the dumbest episodes when it comes to like just the content. But I don't know. I just was thoroughly amused for that episode with the fact that these those old fishermen went through so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're giving out ratings, I guess I'll give out mine. No, from we are mine, giving we... out. This is a review segment. <laughs> well, I may as well just throw mine in there. I'll give this a solid four and a half subpoenas out of five. There you Ooh. go. <laughs> oh, All right, and. Um... Now, my review score of all 47 episode reviews averages out to 3.62, but um, just looking at the series as a whole, to give it a rating, I would probably average that up to four out of five uh, Shanghai ramen bowls. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) With with, with dog dog slobber. Yes. (laughs) The secret ingredient. So that brings an end to part three of our Pat Labor Roundup. I'd like to thank Dalo for joining us this segment. And uh, next episode will be part four as we pick up and discuss uh, the Pat Labor second OVA series. And uh, Dalo, if you can make it, uh, you should probably join us for that, too, since you've already gone half the way with us talking about the TV show. No problem. I'll I'll see what I can get, uh, see if I can make it happen. All right, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Lee, I see you got everything under control, man. I'm going to go downstairs and the gun... Damn! What happened to Rain? What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around Glow and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my Charmander. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich (laughs) calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. End of discussion! Debate is over, you will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology! You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can Get take me... Get used to it, it's the way of the world! If you're so hot on discipline, then Gun- damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Cold get it done. Yeah.
Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. This closes out episode 108, where we had just a single but extended segment today, and that would be our review of the Pat Labor television series. It's uh, our part of our continuing uh, Pat Labor roundup, and we were joined by Dollar Lance. Um, and uh, many thanks to him for joining us in this episode. Before we close this episode out, though, we've got a little uh, house cleaner to do. We've got a, a bunch of mail we got to take care of, and I'm going to toss it over to the, the Postmaster General, Chris, for the mailbag. All right, so we usually start off with voicemails, which you can leave for us at 305-792-8324 or 305-SWATFAG. Unfortunately, there are none. <laughs> for either Gundam or Chaos Theater. So please, uh, everyone, get uh, get on that and uh, give us some, some calls and uh, drop us a line. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so instead, I'm going to turn to the regular mailbag, which you can drop your questions off on at uh, the Mechatalk subform. And our first one starts off with Teprog Noob, who says... A pivotal, all-important, and earth-shattering question to answer. Sweet, sour, savory, or spicy? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Neil's answer is yes. <laughs> All of the above, huh? Yeah, it just depends. I mean... I, I, I'm, I'm more inclined for savory, man. I love the savory meal. And uh, the, the uh, savory is definitely the taste I like to go for. So, that's me. I'm all about the spicy. There you go. Especially curry. Just give give me give me more curry. All the yeah. curries. I, I yeah, I probably I probably do more towards a little bit of spicy too. Some chili sauce is always good on some stuff. So I gotta be in the mood for spicy, but I I'm always down for savory, so Alright. So next we have one from Mechton GM who says, I have one kind of complex question for you guys. Well, I don't like that, so <laughs> <laughs> moving on. No. <laughs> it says with the mecha genre in particular, we're seeing a blend of traditional cell animation for characters and 3D CGI for the mecha. Examples, Macross Frontier, Aquarian, and the new Code Geass OVA. We've seen the Gundam franchise do an all-or-nothing approach to this, with the mecha and characters being either cell, double-O, seed, the show that shall, be named, shall not be named, or completely CGI, igloo. Granted that Seed and Double O use CGI for their ships and Unicorn uses it for the Shamblo and the Unicorn transformation, but we've never seen a true hybrid in the vein of Macross Frontier. My question to you is, when do you think we will get that hybrid Gundam show or something like this more likely to be a shorter OVA? I think it's just an inevitability. Mm -hmm. More and more shows are doing um, CG mecha. I mean, even Votomes wasn't safe from it. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Macross has done it. Uh, some of the shows that are airing now are doing it like Total Eclipse. So maybe uh, the next Gundam show, whatever that is after age, will do it. But I think it, it is just inevitable. It probably depends for Sunrise, like when they're budgeting things out, like what makes cost wise more sense to them to draw it by hand for 50 or so episodes or to do some kind of CG. So that I probably think will be the... Uh, the main factor. I, I, I agree. I honestly think it's right around the corner, quite possibly the next Gundam series if they um if they've planned out for it. But um yeah, I mean other other anime series have done it, and it seems to be a technology that's affordable and something that's now feasible to do in a in a TV series. So it was a surprise to see it in Frontier because they just uh, the last time we saw it before then for Mac for Macross was a uh, Macross Zero. So I got into my head it was just going to be an OVA thing, but then they did. Frontier, which you know, whole TV series had nothing but uh, CG mecha in it. So um, 
And there's been other examples since, as Chris pointed out. So I honestly think it's just right around the corner. Yeah, I'd probably I, – I'm thinking I'm more inclined with Chris. I think what, when they're able to find it being the most cost-effective is probably when we're going to see it in what form. Probably, I would imagine, maybe in the next OVA or short series – uh, they'll, they might do it because, or you know, uh, might even be longer than that because of uh, you know a full show of like 50 episodes. So it just depends on the cost factor, I think, and probably too, you know, the type of directors and stuff that they have. I, I would think as they probably go with younger and younger directors, they're going to be more inclined to that. So that would probably make a lot more sense too. So, but it's coming. I mean, probably I would say if you wanted a timeline, I would say within the next three years. That, I think that would be pretty safe to say. Right on. All right. Next, we have uh, some questions from RX Prime, who says, Hello, Gundam crew. Last time I asked if you guys will do a Transformers Roundup series, and coincidentally, it was answered in the same episode with the Prime Season 1 review. I will certainly settle with spotlights on Beast Wars, animated, and future Prime Seasons and survey movies, but will that include the controversial beast machines it has divided opinions from the fans i would like to hear your thoughts on this show personally while it's not as good as beast wars it had certain aspects that i enjoyed more it is not the black stain of the franchise that honor goes to energon the destiny of transformers hell <laughs> even destiny is better than energon damn that's well having having not seen energon i can't comment on that and i've also not seen beast machines but uh maybe i mean it's not that long of a show so i don't see why we we couldn't do it i've never seen beast machines either so i don't i don't know about with the controversy so yeah. speaking speaking of prime uh season two season two is back on now um yes it is aired, so i i, I got it i can't wait to watch it oh i already watched it <laughs> i saw the dvr recording it and it's like man i'm gonna get to that on sunday can't wait so good stuff all right, and he also says, my friend also has a question while watching Project UC, just finished 0080. He noticed an inconsistency concerning the mobile suits of thermonuclear reactors. In the very first episode of MSG, a big deal is made about the thermonuclear reactors powering the Zakus and how destructive it would be if hit. Throughout the rest of the series, though, Zakus and other mobile suits are cut down like they are nothing and no special attention is paid to their supposedly destructive capabilities if destroyed. In 8th MS team, the same thing is brought up concerning the dangerous reactors and the carelessly we taken to prevent a nuclear holocaust. Mm. However, this is only brought up at the end of the series after they spent all the previous episodes, again, destroying Zaku's with no particular concern. Is there an in-universe explanation for this inconsistency? If not, what do you think is the reason for this back-and-forth portrayal of thermonuclear reactors? By the way, Soulbro, Beast Wars is on Netflix. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> getting orders now oh man rx prime <laughs> well thank you for the heads up uh <laughs> as to the question uh no there there is no reason i mean you gotta consider that when you're watching all of uc gundam this is stuff that's been made over the course of 30 years by lots and lots of different people and they're not necessarily that concerned about um continuity because yes those things do happen as you pointed out but then on top of that you go to later shows like victory where suddenly that's a big deal again yeah. but even they don't depict that consistently so uh it's something that's consistent when they bother to care about it i think i think it's just about i think it matters on how the story is that too, that's where it's, it's needed it, as a plot point yeah and, and i think that that's the biggest thing because you know he brings up the the whole thing with oath ms team and yeah i mean they didn't 
mention any of that until what was it the last two episodes when the the team or the second to last episode where the the team's going in and you know uh one of the gm teams and they blow them up so yeah i i, I just think it's it's think when it's, they care to mention it yeah that's when they need That's it as a plot point. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, it's, it, I mean, I do recall in the first episodes of Gundam where they mentioned that was a, a definite um, problem they had to deal with. And it's, every so often you'll see a, a, a mecha blowing up inside of a, a colony, you know, doing damage to it. But um, as for the nuclear fallout, I, it's, it hasn't been a concern in most of the um, situations in Gundam. And uh, I, I guess it's just something they just choose to address when they feel like addressing it. Yeah, and in Victory, it only became a big deal uh, when they went to Earth to fight the Motorrad fleet and they were trying to use uh, reactors, exploding reactors, to slow down the Motorrad ships. And then after that, they stopped caring about it even in Victory. <laughs> they made a big deal out of you know these suits having such huge explosions there, yeah, exactly. only during that part of the show. All right, next we have JA38, who says, This is in response to the video game console segment in episode 104. Let's say you guys are right and Nintendo stops making consoles and focuses on software. It would be so weird playing Mario or Zelda on Xbox. It's been quite a while since there were less than three major consoles. Do you think someone else will jump in? What companies do you think are likely to do that? And in response to the above post, Beast Machines was awful. Even as a kid, I knew that. Damn. Damn. Boy, the knives are out. (laughs) Quite uh, quick. Question askers answering the pre- uh, others' questions now. <laughs> Man. Jeez. So uh, who who would jump in? Uh, who who would even who would even be there to jump in? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Apple's made it pretty clear that uh, that they don't want to jump in, and why would they want to? Because all they have to do is just keep putting out the one the the two products of the iPhone and the iPad, and they've already had so many sales of video games. They don't even have to do anything for it, and they just sit back and take a thirty percent cut on all <laughs> yeah. the sales in the App Store. So there's no incentive and, for Apple to make a uh, an actual console. That is, and, even, and even Google's got the same business plan going. So why would <laughs> yeah, they? You got, go you got like Android that? tablets and smartphones. You know, Google takes thirty percent cut on the Play Store. So why would they need to? Uh, do that um the smartphone and the tablet is the world's most unexpected video game console <laughs> so it's, you got hey. some small things out there like for example uh the android powered ouya mm-hmm. which uh i'm not convinced isn't vaporware <laughs> so i was not dumb enough to kickstart that thing and I'll, I'll wait and see until it happens before i actually believe that that'll actually be anything um you got this other thing, the Wikipad, which is a uh, an Android tablet, gaming tablet with um, add-on controls. You kind of like dock it, and it's got traditional controls. So, you know, I think we're going to see people building off of, you know, an open source platform like Android. I don't think we're going to see a major player step in into the uh, home console field because there's just no money in it. The industry is changing very yeah. rapidly, and um, PCs are starting to become a big thing again in in gaming, and I just don't see anyone stepping in to be a major player. It would have to be someone with mega deep cash reserves the way that Microsoft stepped in 10 years ago with the first Xbox, and they could afford to wait out a generation to develop market share, and now they're on top in America. Who else has the money to do that except Apple, who A, is not going to do it, and B, Google, who, again, they already have Android tablets and phones, so... I don't see who would. You guys, you guys don't want to see the Apple Pippin come back? The 3DO? Come on, guys. Yeah. 
Well, and, and in response to the, his first part of, of his question, um, I don't think at this point it would feel that weird to play Mario on Xbox or uh, PlayStation. I, I think we're at a point now because of, of Nintendo. I just think their relevance when it comes to a lot of that stuff is just basically based on their games now. And the machine that you play it off of, I don't think really matters at this point. Hey, as long ten as the, years ago, people said that playing Sonic, Sonic. On, on a Nintendo system would be so weird and now it's like whatever sonic games are everywhere unfortunately mario and sonic have shared the same starring space (laughs) yeah and and, and i I don't i don't think i mean once the wii u fails and you know nintendo has to just end up to save that company say uh you know have those uh, licenses go on xbox or or um playstation or hell even uh as apps I mean, they're 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 kind of missing the boat on this whole thing. So, and I, I don't I don't think people are really I don't think that matters so much anymore when it comes to what platform it's really going on. I think there there's still a sub segment of the of that gamer culture that's still like Xbox or you know, you know PlayStation. But I think for the most part, people just want to be able to play it and have the same type of controls and not be clunky and everything like that. So. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but it, it'll probably be coming. I mean, I, I, my 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 predictions in five years, you'll see a Mar- you'll see a Nintendo game on outside of a Nintendo console. You heard that's, it there, folks. Yep, that's my prediction. Oh, man. All right, next we have Nasty Nate who says, "Hey Gundam, are you guys going to make a presence at this coming year's MegaCon in March 2013 in any form, such as a meet and greet?" Or a panel. Well, uh, we haven't even talked about this, and uh, obviously, since Neo's in California, that that changes the equation. But as far as myself, you know, coming up from Miami, I have not decided that yet. Uh, I haven't looked at the guest list. I'm sure be in pretty um, early stages now anyway and really depends on if the guest list interests me enough to want to bother to go because this last year didn't and uh, if i was there i don't think we'll be doing a panel we we don't we're not going to do those anymore and uh too much hassle although it is fun to talk to people so if we did we'd probably just do another hotel podcast maybe we'd just be hanging out someplace and do like a designated meetup like we did at the um the ale house yeah. just to hang out with people so that's probably what you could expect if uh we did decide to do something and this time it would just be you know me and soul Bro, but maybe some special guests like pedro or general hate well we'll call Neil up on, the, on, the, on his phone and put him on speaker for five minutes <laughs> well there you go. i mean i i i agree i mean i think if there was something there that would interest me i wouldn't i would it's not a big deal for me to come back but you know in, in terms of who we were dealing with before to get panels at MegaCon, that that ship has sailed. Um, You know, I don't think I'd be opposed if there was another route that we could get into it, but I... I'm unable to do it because, you know, I'm across the country. So that would be probably fall on the, the thing of uh, Chris or Solbro to do something like that. But um, yeah. plus, I'm Megacon seems to, to be moving away from panels in the last few years. They're, they're not that into them apparently anymore. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it seems the whole convention scene is starting to change. So, I mean, which, which is probably, you know, maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I'm not opposed to it. I, I would just have to probably be in the same situation to see what is um, why you want to go. Because you know? I'll be honest, in the last year or so, a lot of these conventions really haven't um, been 
sitting there saying, screaming out to me because all I ever think of now with conventions and stuff is freaking standing in line. And, uh, you know, that's why I didn't go down to Comic-Con. Part of it, I forgot about it. But the other thing was, I, all I remember from Comic-Con a lot of times is just standing in line. That's a big part and, of it. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not opposed to paying a little bit more to get a guaranteed seat in something, but it's still just all general admission unless you have, like, a press pass and that's, like, you know, an act of God. So, um, I just, whatever. I will say this. I am going to uh, Comic-Con 2013. So if any listeners are going to Comic-Con 2013 and um, as it starts to get closer, um, if you guys want to arrange a meet and greet. You're away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's plenty of time to plan. But um, I, I'll try to see if I can get a meet and greet um, uh, just 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 all set up so that we Where? can all meet up somewhere and, and talk and hang out. Just like uh, for MegaCon uh, coming up uh, later on this year if we all uh, get our plans together to do that too. So. Well, you you better start saving your bucks to try to get something where you can do a meet and greet at any restaurant or facility there, because yeah. uh, it's all about the all about the bucks for San Diego for that thing. So boy, oh boy. <laughs> but whatever. All right. Next, we have Trinity Binker who says, "Hey guys, my brother has been watching Space Runaway Edan recently. Has been really in, been really enjoying it, claiming that it is one of those animes you don't quite see nowadays." Well, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> and more ways than one. I myself haven't watched it yet, but have heard it, of it. For example, you guys on the show. My question slash request is... We don't take requests on here, son. We're not Casey Kasem. <laughs> <laughs> Along with that request for the reviews of the MSG novels, unless you've decided not to do those, will you be doing a review, maybe a roundup segment of Idean and its two movies? We'll probably get around to it in the future, mm-hmm. since we keep mentioning it, but have not talked about it in depth. You think but, so? Uh, I got to I got to suffer through the first half of that freaking show. Oh boy! That first Most... half of that show is pretty painful, though. So that, that <laughs> it may be a disincentive. Yeah, and it, it's uh, yeah, you're right. It is a show that you uh, don't see much these days because uh, you hate every freaking character in that thing. You all want them to die, <laughs> except except for uh, for Bess and Karala. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's the problem with the day and it's a show filled with a cast that is almost wholly unlikable on every side when 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 the when the uh buff clan defector i forget that guy's name when he's the more likable guy than all the other people (laughs) (laughs) and even he was a little annoying you're like oh these are just some hateful characters so yeah next he says gundam has lasted for 33 years now what original idea do you think they haven't done yet in terms of characters concepts settings stories shows anything at all for the franchise follow-up do you think they've ran out of ideas concerning the one-year war for example from the mangas and games what i want to say i'm not even going to say the nonsense about female pilot blah 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 <laughs> now that they've done aliens in the double o movie it's time to go full alien oh yeah. shoot full, full alien invasion yeah full, i just think it's the same full one. alien you never go full, full alien man <laughs> what i would like to see for the full alien is um do something kind of like mass effect where you have um you know all these different alien species you have interstellar travel you have sort of this interstellar government that humanity is a part of and uh maybe you make it that uh humanity's you know unique characteristic compared to all of these other alien races is that they have mobile suits Mm -hmm. maybe some of the other races have mobile armors or they prefer to have fighters or just big ass spaceships or whatever the hell yeah and you do some kind of thing like uh 
Mass Effect or Babylon 5 where all these different races have to put aside all of their distrust for each other because of some big threat from other aliens. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'd like. I'd like uh, maybe maybe an OVA, maybe, you know, pretty maybe a 12 episode or something like that where we run through the gambit of what is it the uh was it the 60s rearmament plan with um the the federation and the increasing tensions and going up to what what was it the one week battle where they everybody just got murdered Woo. and you know i'd i'd like to see a little bit more of the the depths of you know the conflict when it comes to you know why Zeon was doing what they were doing, and then you know some of the stuff with the Federation, kind of the build-up thing. And and you know we we've seen the battles, we've seen all that, but we never really have um, seen anything in um, in any length of you know the opening salvos of that war. And we've always heard about how horrible it was and how many people got murdered in it, but. Not to the point of uh, really seeing it in any extended fashion, but that that to me would be a little bit, you know, kind of, you know, maybe it would be kind of the vein of a double O, where it's going to be a little bit more political intrigue and 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 see and maybe and maybe have different characters, you know, maybe those on the Federation that are trying to prevent war and, and even in Zeon and and stuff like that. So that'd be that. That's what I would kind of like, and plus full full alien. <laughs> you just you want to see the 13 days equivalent of uh, of a Gundam of a Gundam series that's building up to the to the one year war basically. That's well, I mean we we've had we've had the one year war and then we've had the aftermath of the one year war. Mm-hmm. Why? And and I don't want even though I know a lot of people would love it. I don't want it always just specific to you know Shar Sailor or something like that. No, no. You know just. You know, I want it where it's going to be background people. Yes, there are going to be some characters in it, like General Rebel would be in it and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's just an overall thing of it. It would be kind of neat to see some of that early one year war stuff. Like, you have Rebel, like, see Rebel give his Zeon his exhausted speech. Exactly. And his his capture by the Tri Stars and his rescue from Zeon. That'd be kind of neat to see since it's always talked about in the side materials. Yeah, and and you know maybe maybe it'd be like one hour uh, OVA episodes where it's just a segment of time like that. Maybe it's not one continuous thing, but it's just these big major things that we've heard about. You know, maybe the first one's the rearmament plan or something like that. Then maybe the next one you think about like what's going on with uh, Zion Daikun's death and stuff like that. I mean, kind of back and forth. It may not be a, t- a complete thing, but it's it's hitting all the major points up until the opening battle. So, but, you know, call me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it would work. I think it would be pretty cool. It would be very yeah. intriguing. And, um, you know, us, I mean, the, the older set would really dig it, especially anybody who's come up in Japan, you know, enjoying, you know, you see Gundam all those years. It's doing it in a vein of a double O where it's yeah. got that kind of maturity level to it. I even think people that maybe aren't of the older set, they would be interested in that, too, because, you know, it, it, it would just be, you know, it would be a mature type of story and stuff like that. And, it, yes, it is something that's always referenced in these other shows, so... And, yeah. we, and we get Aaron Sorkin to write it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. We want it to be good. <laughs> oh, that'd be genius. Just absolute and utter genius. So oh my gosh. Um, I don't think there'll ever be any end to the one-year war stuff to answer the, the second part of that question. But go ahead, Solbro. Um, I would love to see a Gundam series outside of the Earth Sphere. Um, I, I'm very intrigued. Anytime they bring so up you want planet. full alien too? Well, it doesn't have to necessarily be, but I, I would like to know what happens to the colonies that decide to leave the Earth Sphere 
and go and colonize other parts of space. You know, we've seen it alluded to in uh, recently in Gundam Age and beforehand in Turn A Gundam. And you always wonder what happened to these people. You know, they went they full encounter? alien. They w- apparently so. It, uh, that, that's why they have yet to tell their story. But um, if that's exactly what happens, that they run into alien species and then then, then they um they end up intermingling and you know there's there's conflict and 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 all that because of that. That would be interesting to see. Even without the aliens, I'm fine with that. Just the struggle that these pioneers have to go through in order to colonize a planet or something like that would be kind of cool. And you know, there's going to be wars and stuff. Uh, because you, you of want that. the you want the Oregon Trail of uh, yeah. Gundam. It's something that we haven't seen, so I you would love died. to see that. You died from dysentery. <laughs> Space, Space dysentery. dysentery. Space dysentery has killed you. Has killed your party. As <laughs> that like you, like you drowned fording the Milky Way. <laughs> You've contracted space aids. That kind of shit. Um, <laughs> the other thing I would like to see, um, I would love to see an OVA of, uh, and this is just a, a personal request. I'd love to see an OVA. Personal of, request to who? <laughs> a death dedication. It's a case in case. Of the case. All no. right. Next on the line, we have a special dedication from Sobro Ryu. I don't do requests. <laughs> a dark and stormy day, and he just wants to send out a message to Sunrise in Japan. <laughs> My um my my personal um dream would be to see an OVA series with Kai, um the, about all the things he was involved in in between uh the the Grips War during the Grips War and moving up towards uh Shars counterattack and uh, just just what he was doing in between the Grips War and Unicorn Gundam. Well, Him I guess a, you'll have to settle for the uh the manga that ran in Gundam Ace yep. of uh Kai Shuden's report. I read the first chapter of that. I can never find anything else. But I thought it was really interesting. It was him talking to um, uh, Hayato, and uh, it was it was really neat to see that. And I, I, it gave me a taste for want want some more of that. So that'd be the other thing I would love to see. All right. And yeah. last, he says, in your opinion, what is your example of someone whose love for Gundam, mecha, anime, was taken way too far in their lives? Well, I think the obvious choice is uh, this dumbass who runs this website for for like twelve years about robots. <laughs> And he's such a douche, and um, his form is just full of idiots, and he bans anyone who disagrees with him, and his opinions are all stupid, and the only reason to ever go to his crappy website is just look at the uh, the line art. Who, who could you well, be talking about? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know about Gundam, Mecha, or anime that somebody's taking it too far, but I do know somebody about fighting games. Oh, oh, oh yes. Thank you. Thank you. Way to, way to bring it back oh, to... Oh, I just uh, said someone. I didn't someone, name that. Yeah, someone. That <laughs> Who knows but, who that could be? But seriously, uh, I think probably the best example would be that Japanese guy who burned his mom's house down because yeah, threw away uh, his gun plot. He's the number one dude. <laughs> I just don't think you could top that easily. Yeah. He'll sit on top of those charts for a long time. <laughs> Man. I agree with that. That That's probably the ultimate example of somebody going too far, burning their mom's house down. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so since uh, the weather is taking a slightly darker turn down here in South Florida, mm-hmm. that will be our last question. So I'm going to turn it back now to Solbro to close us out. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, anybody have any last words, anything um, that you wanted to, to mention before we close out this episode? Hold on, Chris. <laughs> For dear life. Yes. <laughs> my, my last words, can I, can I get a tombstone? <laughs> Sure, it won't be edible. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give you one, even we'll give you one, even if we can, they can't recover the body. Oh damn! 
I was actually me referring to the pizza. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> we'll get you a tombstone too. Okay. Well, actually, we'll we'll, we'll make your we'll, we'll take the box of the tombstone and make that actual your tombstone if you do die during the storm. So. I'm glad you guys care so much. <laughs> hey man, I'm in Florida too, man. <laughs> if you don't get the worst of it, I might. So uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll see what happens with. Uh, Hell, you never know. I, I I I live I live by the beach, basically almost on it. So if the if the things are true and and you know 2012 happens, I'll probably just slide off into the Pacific. So. <laughs> Wear uh, wear a life preserver. <laughs> life, I'll have a life preserver and some water wings. <laughs> hey, look at this geek with a life preserver. Thinks he's gonna drown. Come equipped like Barney McFly. <laughs> Shout out, Coast <laughs> Shout out to Michael J. Fox. I heard he's coming back to TV. But uh, <laughs> it's good to see you again, sir. But um, man, uh, with with all these talks of uh, talk of uh, apocalyptic things, uh, it's a great way to end the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And that's it for episode 108 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. out of the ordinary and isn't likely to be careless with details sex marquees there weren't any gundam parts left at the lake victoria base inspector <laughs> that man is fond of the mobile suits i can't see him bending his ways because of a request from the likes of us what will he gain by opposing the romafeller foundation i haven't got a clue to what he's thinking but romafeller is starting to take over this era all we have to do now to move into the top ranks is prove that Zex has betrayed his official orders. The inspector is just trying to find fault with you so he can score some points with the Romafeller Foundation. He's not going to find anything that differs from what the documents show, though. I'm sorry I had to involve you in this little performance of mine. I figured it'd be a real waste to just destroy the Gundam Zero One at this point in the game. But the bad news is that we've destroyed most of the spare parts to the tall geese, Colonel. If that's the case, I'll just have to be more careful with it. No pilot is capable of harming either the tall geese or yourself, Colonel Zex. Not true. There is at least one man. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint.
This summer, prepare for the poorly directed movie adaptation of the young adult phenomenon that isn't about gay vampires. The Hunger Games. In a dystopian future, the rich dress like second-rate Lady Gaga's in cities left over from the Phantom Menace, while the poor struggle for survival in unnecessary shaky cam, but can still somehow afford futuristic projection thingies. One girl must choose between a short, boring, one-dimensional, worthless blonde guy and this much hotter dude. In a world where children are ripped from their families and their parents seem oddly okay with it, she will make the ultimate sacrifice. I volunteer as tribute. And enter a life or death game where competitors learn the deadly arts of lying in rafters, button pressing, playing with balls, and frosting decoration. I used to decorate the cakes down at the bakery. What the hell is this? Pita. Seriously? That is f***ing ridiculous.